From NPR and WNYC, this is Ask Me Another. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, your host for another episode of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. Right now, you're going to get some insight into the kind of games I like to play. I'm from a big family, the youngest of six, and still, I was not the favorite. So I grew up playing games alone. I'm serious, even Monopoly. But things have changed, and this whole next hour is a collection of the games I like. And my motto is, the weirder, the better. Take this first game. So normally when people travel, it's to experience something completely different. Perhaps it's to take in some history, hit the museum circuit, sample the local cuisine. And what do you find right beside the ruins, galleries, and markets? A McDonald's. Yep, and it's packed. And you wonder who travels all the way to Rome, Paris, or Ho Chi Minh City only to end up at McDonald's. Puzzle guru Will Hines joins me in this round-the-world trip to the Golden Arches in a number we like to call, Where in the World is Ronald McDonald? In front of me right now are our first two contestants. Please welcome Reuben Hampton and Mark Thomas. Reuben, I have a question for you. What might that be? What is your favorite thing to order at McDonald's? Water. <laughs> Good answer to Reuben. I like the way you eat. Mark, what is your favorite thing to order? Uh, absolutely nothing. Really? Yes. All right. Well, you're in trouble for this game then. <laughs> no, you'll be fine. This game is called Where in the World is Ronald McDonald? So, contestants, we're to describe special menu items that you can only find in certain regional McDonald's around the world. For example, if we said that Ronald was snacking on a side of poutine before visiting the Basilica of Notre Dame in Quebec, he would be in Canada, obviously. So you have to tell us where in the world Ronald would be. And in case you don't know, poutine is gravy, cheese curds, and fries, and is the most delicious thing on the planet. Okay. That's my favorite thing to order now. Mark, I really like you. Ronald is enjoying a Mikalu Tiki Burger before visiting the Asiatic Society of Mumbai. What country is he in? Enjoying a Mikalu Tiki Burger. Ruben. Saudi Arabia. Close, but no. Mark. United Arab Emirates. Interesting. You guys are very specific, but incorrect. <laughs> It's a 100% all-sacred cow beef patty. Uh, actually, it's not that at all. I believe it's a vegetarian potato patty. That's right, yes. Anyone out there know? India! India is the answer. That's okay. They get harder. <laughs> Ronald is snacking on Le Croque Macdou ham and cheese sandwich while gazing at the dome of Sacre Coeur. What city is he in? Ruben. Paris. You are correct. <laughs> Ronald is chowing down on a soy marinated bulgogi burger before dancing Gangnam style in front of the Gangnam Finance Center. What city is he in? Ruben. Seoul. I feel like the intention was correct. I think the intention was correct. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take it. Seoul, Seoul. Uh, do both of you know about the YouTube sensation? Oh, yes. Sigh. Yes. Oh, Ruben is even doing a little bit of the dance. 
uh, some, some people don't know of this song. Uh, if you haven't been on YouTube in the last uh, three months at all, then you wouldn't know what it was. <laughs> you wouldn't know that it's the number one YouTube video ever. That's right. You'd be safe. And if I said to you, <laughs> if I said to you, hey, sexy lady, what would you say? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that is correct for a bonus point in my mind. Ronald is relishing the cumin in the Mac Arabia Tajin while standing in line for the Rabat Archaeological Museum. What country is he in? Ruben. Iran. No, I'm sorry. The Rabat Archaeological Museum. Neither of you have been to that. Unbelievable. <laughs> in our fictional universe, Ronald McDonald is way more cultured than either of you. <laughs> If anyone knows the answer, Morocco. Morocco. Ronald is eating a breakfast of Mick Moliettes featuring beans, pico de gallo, and cheese on a muffin before hiking around the ruins of Chichen Itza. What country is he in? Ruben. Mexico. Correct. Ronald is savoring the flavor of breaded shrimp offered by the Ebi Fileo while shopping in the Ginza district. What city is he in? It's not kosher, I can't tell you. <laughs> I understand. You would never go for the Ebi Fileo in the Ginza district. Well, I'm wishing I had a clue ready. Um, <laughs> no. how, how, how are you guys feeling? <laughs> I'll take a rhymes with. Uh, let's just say that you didn't get it. <laughs> um, That's our hint. <laughs> let's throw it out one more time. Tokyo is the correct answer. Ronald is devouring a kafta burger complete with a parsley sprinkled bun before visiting the Hagia Sophia. What country is he in? Just a sigh. No? Do you want to give him a hint? Well, you'd be in Istanbul, not Constantinople. Mark. Turkey. You are correct. All right, Will. Uh, Ruben is the winner of this game. I will wait a lifetime if it takes that long. I know she's out there, for I have heard her song and dreams she sings to me. Her angel's voice is symphony. Mm-hmm. She's my millionaire girlfriend And she's my life Once I finally find her I'll get permission from the wife We will all live in our castle high My beloved and my millionaire girlfriend And I, my beloved and my millionaire girlfriend And I Jonathan Colton. And look at this. We have two new lovely contestants. We have Natalie Bear. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> and Beth Slepian. <laughs> Beth. Trivia family? Are you, is your family into trivia? They are. Really? Yeah, they really are. My parents are. Back in 1984, I think my parents were in a trivial pursuit tournament. Oh. 
And they won because my dad sat up all night and he memorized all the cards. <laughs> and my mom just knows stuff. So it worked out well. Welcome, Beth and Natalie. You are right now in the graduate program at NYU? I am. I'm in the interactive telecommunications program. Wow, that doesn't sound like it makes any sense. What no. is that? <laughs> the what? Uh, it's, it's basically everything interactive and technical. This game is called The Mad Men's Guide to Etiquette. Ah, the 1960s were different, weren't they? Back in the day, you could get drunk at the office, everyone smoked, and men treated women like meat. The good old days! So for this next game, we're going to ask you questions based on the advice of etiquette manuals published in the early 1960s. For example, Will? Yes, Safira. Although a woman may order one at a restaurant, it is considered uncouth for a man to consume a fancy what? Mink coat. I would consider that very uncouth, yes. It would be uncouth. It'd be rude. I can see where you're going with that. However, the answer is a mixed drink. Ah, yes. Yes, a woman could have them, but a man, no. Very uncouth. Can't have a sea breeze in the 60s. (laughs) No. Okay, so contestants, you're going to ring in when you know the answer. And my advice is that if you have no idea, throw out a guess, because the 60s were a crazy time, and your guess just might be correct. So whoever gets the right, most right will move on to our Ask Me One More Final Round at the end of the show. Ready? Fantastic. If a man is traveling with his secretary for business, not only should they be placed in separate hotel rooms, but also on separate what? Natalie. Floors. Floors is correct. <laughs> Temptation is too great. They need at least an ele- elevator between them. That's right. No one has a sex drive after walking up a flight of stairs. <laughs> At elbow level with firmness and quick. That's a description of a proper what? Beth? Handshake. Handshake is correct. In case a lady would like one, a thoughtful and polite man carries what on his person at all times, even if he doesn't use them? Natalie? Cigarettes. Cigarettes Cigarettes is correct. What a different time. If a man accidentally jostles a woman in a crowded space, it is polite of him to merely touch his what? <laughs> Natalie Davis. They both look horrified. Um, touched his face. His face. Just, it's just a very slow stroke <laughs> of his own cheek. I'm picturing Don Draper doing it, yeah. and it's great. So. I'm going to say wife. He, it just has oh. <laughs> I love that would make idea. sense, yeah. yeah. This is who I meant. It's like, this yeah. is... <laughs> I'm with her. Yeah. Uh, both really good ideas. Yeah, that turns, like, that turns like inappropriate public touching into like freeze tag or something like that. The answer is his hat. Oh, of course. Of course. That yeah, makes perfect sense. Right. That makes everything okay. Yeah, just touch the hat. Ha, 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 jokey joke. All right. <laughs> When a woman is being toasted, proprietary demands that she lower her what? Beth. Her gaze. Her gaze. That is correct. Her eyes. Yes. A man should never enter a room before a woman unless the room is what? Beth. Dirty. Dirty. (laughs) A woman after my own heart. No, unfortunately, men didn't care about that. Yes. Dark. Dark is correct, Natalie. 
Okay, Natalie, by one point, you won this round. Congratulations. Coming up in this best of episode, we'll pay tribute to a Billy Joel classic, and pop culture writer Chuck Klosterman compares his love for the women he's kissed to his love for the band Kiss. Well, they had similar hair. They both had elements of Judaism in their existence. All of that's coming up on Ask Me Another from NPR. This is Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and all this hour we're featuring some of my favorite games. Our one-man house band, Jonathan Colton, is a master of putting his own twist on famous songs and turning them into clues, naturally. In this game, we gave him the wordiest Billy Joel song of all time, We Didn't Start the Fire. And then we followed up with some offbeat trivia questions that resulted in a lot of inventive answers. Contestants Rebecca Chu and Paul Dreyer succumb to the challenge that goes on and on and on and on. Rebecca, you are a social science lawyer, but your hobby is quantum physics. Yes, I like quarks. And Paul, you're a bonds trader, but you are really into math. These are both true. You guys are like, you should talk. You should hang out. This game is called We Didn't Start the Fire. Now, Jonathan has been wanting to play this Billy Joel song since the beginning of the show, the inception. He demanded, and we waited and waited... And finally, we just gave in to this guilty pleasure. That is not how I remember it happening, but... Uh, yes, this, this is a game show, so we have changed some of the lyrics of Billy Joel's song, We Didn't Start the Fire, to be some trivia questions. So listen carefully, ring in when you know the answer. The winner of this round will go on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red China, Johnny Ray, South Pacific, Walter White, Cook Smith on what show? <laughs> what? Paul. Breaking Bad. That is correct. <laughs> I-, I heard cooking math on what show? Cooking math. That's just yeah, the way your and brain so that's works. that's why I was thrown. Yeah, that's just the way you, you hear math and everything, don't you, Paul? It's a drug of sorts. <laughs> Is it? Flipping fractions, I understand. <laughs> Divine by zero right now. <laughs> Rosenberg's H-bomb, Sugar Ray, Panmujam, Brando the King and I. What seeds are baked in Jewish rye? Rebecca. Rye. <laughs> Uh, Caraway, sorry. That's right. That's right. That is right. <laughs> We're going to get it. Eisenhower vaccine. England's got a new queen. Marciano Liberace. What's Japanese for goodbye? Paul. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Sayonara. Sayonara. <laughs> Little Rock, Pasternak, Mickey Mantle, Kerouac, Sputnik, Joe and Lion, what country's the river Kwai? Rebecca. Japan. Oh, I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Paul, do you have an answer to steal? Uh, China? Also incorrect. Let's see if anyone out there knows. 
Some people did, and a lot of people didn't. <laughs> Thailand is the correct answer. Thailand. Lebanon charged a goal, California baseball, stark weather homicide, who's Ryan Reynolds' new bride? Paul. Blake Lively? Yes, that is correct. Hemingway, Eichmann, stranger in a strange land, Dylan, Berlin, state the Pythagorean theorem. Finally, you could put this to good use. Paul. Um, the sum of the squares of the lengths of the two legs of a right triangle is equal to the, sum, the square of the hypotenuse. No, no, no. The kind of stuff we learned in public school. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. There you go. Yeah, for goodness sake, dumb it, dumb it down a little bit, Paul. I can prove it with a pretty picture. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia, British Beatlemania, Ole Miss, John Glenn, Liston Beats, Patterson, Pope Paul, Malcolm X, British politician, sex, JFK, blown away, who sang at his 45th birthday? <laughs> Rebecca. Marilyn Monroe? That is correct. Birth control, Ho Chi Minh, Richard Nixon back again, moonshot, Woodstock, here's a joke, knock, knock. Paul. Who's there? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Begin Reagan, Palestine, terror on the airline, Ayatollahs in Iran, Russians in Afghanistan, Wheel of Fortune, Sally Ride, heavy metal suicide, foreign debts, homeless vets, what breed is Obama's pet dog? Rebecca. Portuguese water dog. That is correct. It was a very close game, but it looks to me like, Paul, you are our winner just by a hair. Thank you. All right, Jonathan, do you want to indulge us and finish off that song, you got to hear the chorus, right? Yes, I guess. we do. Audience is crying out for it. We did it start the fire. Fight that fire, Billy Joe. Thank you, Jonathan, for lighting the fire. Sure. Would you like to play something you would choose? You know, I'm actually a Billy Joel fan. Uh, this is a song called Pressure. Just like everybody else You've only had to run so far So good But you will come to a place Where the only thing you feel Are loaded guns in your face And you'll have to deal with pressure Call me paranoid But even you cannot avoid You turn the tap dance into your 
crusade Now here you are with your faith and your Peter Pan advice You have no scars on your face and you cannot handle pressure Jonathan Colton. Thank you. I've had the pleasure of talking with so many guests on our show, but one of the most memorable interviews was with author and pop culture writer Chuck Klosterman because it got deep. Not only did we get to the bottom of why he hates turtlenecks and loves the color orange, but we played to his strengths in an ace quiz that was all about his favorite band, Kiss. Orange, I don't know why I like it. I just do. It's a little like how the way Prince likes purple. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have an orange motorcycle, but I prefer things to be orange. I once read a book about visual communication that implied that people who like orange are always hungry. <laughs> and that is true. I am always hungry. Interesting. Turtleneck thing is more complicated. When I was in fifth grade, I, want, I really wanted a Nerf hoop basketball set, you know? My mom would not buy me one, so I had to fashion one out of, like, an ice cream container where you cut out the middle, and I would just hang it. And one day I fell, like, six feet onto concrete, and I blocked my fall with my left arm, and I had a very severe compound fracture. Both uh, the bones in my arm busted, blood everywhere. I was wearing a turtleneck at the time. Um, so I, uh, I, got, I get taken to the hospital. I'm from a farm, so it was 25 miles away. And, uh, you know, they had to cut it off with the scissors. And the worst part was them turning my arm in order to cut off this turtleneck. So I have this really strange relationship with turtlenecks. Whenever I see one, the first thing I remember is the way it felt in my stomach when they were turning the broken bones in my arm to cut my uh, turtleneck off. And it's very odd because many women, including my wife, are very attractive when they wear black turtlenecks. It's a really good look. So whenever I see a woman with a black turtleneck, I am torn between wanting to sleep with her and throw up. Ah. So I prefer not having turtlenecks around me. At least you're lucky that you know where the problem comes from. You're, you write about pop... I mean, you write about so much, uh, but pop culture, music, sports, you have seven books, five of them nonfiction, two of them fiction. You published billions of magazine articles... Yet you grew up on a farm in North Dakota, which mm -hmm. I'm assuming was pretty culturally void. Well, I guess, yes, that is true. I mean, unless you consider corn part of culture. Um, it was, I suppose. Everyone always says that. But at the same time, it's like we got TV. You know, Miami Vice was on. You know? Um, you know, I could, I could, you know, buy Poison albums or whatever. I guess I, the important stuff... <laughs> got to me. But yes, I mean, I never had cable... The important stuff? <laughs> I never had cable growing up. I wonder, if, I wonder what I would be like if I did. And we are very thankful because you, speaking of prizes, you made our grand prize tonight for our winner. It is a, his own very mixed CD. That's what our grand prize winner gets tonight. Uh, yeah, and really valuable. It is very valuable. A burned CDR a with a bunch of songs that are on the internet. <laughs> Who could believe it exists? All right, so here's the big hint as to what we're about to put you through. Okay, okay. Chuck? So I was reading your book, uh, Killing Yourself to Live. Are you really reading it? Or yes, I was. Tell okay, it's fine. You can lie if you want. Listen. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to work on your self-esteem, Chuck. Yeah. 
I was reading your book. Okay, great. And I like awesome. the fact that not only are you a big Kiss fan, I am, but you compared some of the women that you were in love with to different characters in Kiss. That's true. I did do that. <laughs> Which is a great way of yeah. categorizing the world. Very normal. Of Very normal. Right so I would like to know something about a woman that you compared to Gene Simmons. Yeah, well, they had similar hair. They were, both had elements of Judaism in their existence. Um, you know, uh, they were very interested in capitalism, I have to say. Um, uh, and they were very interesting. They were very interesting people. Uh, Bruce Kulik, who was the, Kiss, the guitarist for Kiss, and he has a website. And I saw one time on his website, he talked about this part of this book where I compared him to a photographer I dated in Akron, Ohio, very briefly. And... Uh, uh, he was very excited that I had done this, that I had done this. And I thought, like, this really shows how self-aware Bruce Kulik is. He's like, wow, this guy sort of reminds me of this girl he wasn't that into. What a, what a successful career I have had. It made well. me think he was the greatest guy in the world. You know? The thing is, I remember things that other people forget. That is my problem. That is your yeah. talent, my friend. Yeah, that yeah. is your talent. Okay. So, Chuck, okay. it's time for you to take your space behind the podium. Okay, let's go. Give him a hand, everybody. Chuck, close to this. Okay. So, Chuck, do you have any idea of what we're about to do to you? Do you have an inkling? Is my wife going to freak out over this? <laughs> no, your wife is not going to freak okay, out. Okay, then no, I have no idea. Okay. okay. Let's bring back our puzzle guru, John Chinesky. Hi, Chuck. He's uh, very excited to present this next game. Chuck, you wanted the test, and you got the test. The hottest band in the world, Kiss. So, Okay, so uh, we also want to tell you, Chuck, that there's sort of an added element, because you will be playing for a lucky member in our audience. Uh, Hannah Diaz, can you stand up? There she goes. So Hannah, you're in luck. So here's what's gonna happen, Chuck, if you get- I really thought you were gonna say you're gonna be playing a member of KISS. (laughs) (laughs) You were like, Terry Gross will not be happy. No, you're going to play. So basically, if you get six right, Hannah is going to win a lovely prize. But okay. if you don't get it right... I'll give her a thousand bucks. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> I like the way you think. Here we go. Here's the first question. The KISS logo, with its two S's shaped like lightning bolts, is famous worldwide. However, most KISS albums and merchandise in one particular country use backward Z's instead of lightning bolts... What country is that and Germany. why? Chuck. Germany, because it represents the KISS, uh, the Nazi SS. So That's they, right. uh, they have to just make a different sort of logo that looks almost like, 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 like normal SS. Yes, yes, you're correct. Exactly, good job. It is illegal to display the SS logo in Germany. Very and good, I, Chuck. I love that you're using the bell. You don't have to. I don't have to use the bell? Against... Oh, okay. Yeah, but you can. I like it. Yeah, yeah it yeah. feels good, right? Now, many teenagers' first exposure to seeing Kiss was on a 1976 television Halloween special hosted by someone unusual. Who was it? Oh, uh, Paul Lind. Paul Lind is right. Very good. Circle gets the square. For a while, two Kiss cover bands made up of little people 
were in a legal battle over the very idea of a Little People Kiss cover band, what were the names of the two bands? Uh, Mini Kiss. Mini Kiss is one. There were two of them. Yeah. It's hard to believe. It is. So this is like a class action suit. It almost yeah. was, yes. Um, if you have no idea, just what, what would you name a little people yeah, cover band? Uh, yeah. That's tough. Uh, dwarf Kiss? No, uh, no. It was Tiny Kiss. Uh, tiny Kiss, yes. Kiss and Tiny Kiss. Chuck, in 1978, the four founding members of Kiss simultaneously came out with individual solo albums. Gene Simmons' solo album included a cover of what Disney classic? Uh, if You Wish Upon a Star. When You Wish Upon a Star. Very good. Yeah. From Pinocchio. Good job. I want him to do hi-ho, hi-ho. What did Gene Simmons do? Hi-ho, hi-ho. About what item of Kiss merchandise did Gene Simmons say, I love living, but this makes the alternative look pretty damn good? Well... I would guess it would be the Kiss Coffin with a K. Yes, the Kiss Casket with a K. (laughs) (laughs) If my two brothers, my sister and myself, were to dress as the original members of Kiss in full makeup for Halloween, how many different colors of makeup would we need, and what colors are they? What members are you being? The original, original, original makeup. But what two members are you, because they don't all need the same makeup? Oh, no, all no, of them. No, no, all four of us. All yeah. four. Oh, you have oh, three sorry. sisters. Let me, let me say it again. If my two brothers, okay. my sister and myself, I have three siblings, uh, would address as the original members of KISS for Halloween, well, what um, makeup would we need? White. White. Black. Black. Silver. Silver. Red. Yep. Green. Green. I'll take that. Correct. You know why? Oh. Because Ace Freely only wore blue around his eyes occasionally. Yes. But yeah. yes, that's a good answer, Chuck. Nice yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You are very, very good. Chuck, Chuck, you did amazing, which makes you really a winner. Chuck Klosterman, everybody. After the break, we'll celebrate literary criticism and attempt the impossible. We'll play Pictionary. Yes, on the radio. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Welcome back to Ask Me Another. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this hour we're featuring some of my favorite trivia puzzles and word games. Whoever decided that user comments should be allowed on the Internet had no idea what they were getting into. In this inspired game, we've taken not the best, but the worst real comments posted about classic literature and best-selling books and asked if you can still identify them from their one-star Amazon reviews. On stage right now, we have Rob Jacklowski and Lisa Gargiulo ready for our next game. I'm ready. 
Now, this is very special because we know you're both English teachers. Rob, you teach 19th century literature to college students. Lisa teaches mythology to 7th and 8th graders. It's a perfect match. (laughs) There's practically no difference between those two things. It's exactly the same. It's a perfect match for this game that is called Everyone's a Critic. You see, for every universally loved piece of literature, there is someone out there who hates it. Hates it! And thanks to the internet, we get to hear exactly how much they hate it. Thank you, World Wide Web. So we're going to ask you to identify bestsellers and literary classics based on their one-star review on Amazon.com. We've edited them down a bit, but these are actual reviews from real people. Just to make it a little harder, we've removed the name of the author. We should probably say that the opinions in these reviews in no way reflect any of our feelings about anything, not even the game's writer. This is one of the most boring books I've ever read. The only exciting thing in the whole book was when the sharks appeared. I cared so little for all the characters, especially the main character, that I hoped that they were going to eat him. But nope, they ate his stupid Marlin instead. When the reader is hoping for the hero to die, your book sucks. Rob. Old Man in the Sea? Yeah, it is so right. I, too, cannot believe the hype. This is a truly dreadful book full of shallow, unlikable, unbelievable characters. The plot is tortured, like the victims, and the dialogue is so cliche-ridden, it almost rots on the page. I have never read a book where so many cups of coffee are brewed, smelled, sipped, or downed, nor so many cigarettes shared between protagonists. Finishing it was an exercise in Swedish masochism. Rob. A girl with a dragon tattoo. That is correct. I used to feel bad about Sherman burning Atlanta, but that was before I read this book. Though it is very well written, it is very offensive to African Americans, women, and of course, Yankees. Rob. Gone with the wind? (laughs) Gone with the wind. Those cruel and vicious Yankees. You are correct. I understand that autobiographies can be self-centered and (laughs) navel-gazing. But the author is one of the most self-important, obtuse, boorish, annoying cretins ever to put pen to paper. I found the author stunningly unempathetic and uninvolved in the world around her, no matter where she was, under what circumstances, and I too thought that her ex-husband is well rid of her. She has, by the way, since the book's publication, married her Brazilian lover and moved with him to New Jersey. So for all of her exploration, she is pretty much, like the song says, back where she started. Lisa. Eat, pray, love. You got that one. (laughs) Did you read Eat, pray, love? I did. I agree with most of the reviews. (laughs) (laughs) It's good, but... Since a less-than-one-star review is not allowed, this book gets the single star for the cute cover picture of the dog. That's the only redeeming quality of this paltry, overrated book. This book is really about a family of boring mediocrities who just happen to own a dog. One gets the impression that the dog is nothing but a frustrating burden to them, and after reading half of this book, I was convinced the author was incapable of having a loving relationship with this dog or any other dog. Lisa. Marley and Me? Marley and Me is correct. (laughs) Rob is the winner of that round. Congratulations, Rob.
Are you exhausted right now from shouting answers at your radio? Well, then we want to meet you. To be a contestant on a future show, reach us on Twitter or Facebook at NPR Ask Me Another. Or send us an old-fashioned email at askmeanother at npr.org. In exchange, we'll send you a little quiz to see if you got what it takes to make it to our Ask Me One More final round. Let's welcome our next two contestants to our stage, Ben Smith and Nicole Holliday. Welcome to the Ask Me Another stage. Ben, are you a visual thinker? A little bit. A little bit. Have you ever played Pictionary? Yeah. Yeah, you like it? Uh, okay. Kind of. Sure, that's okay. That's honest. Nicole, how about you? Pictionary player? Terrible. Terrible Pictionary? <laughs> Awful. Not a visual thinker Can't at all? Can't see it for anything. Oh, excellent. This game is called Radio Pictionary. <laughs> Sounds impossible, but impossible is my middle name because Ophira Eisenberg wasn't bad enough. <laughs> Jonathan, can you explain? Yes. Well, I'm going to describe what I'm drawing... And you have to guess what I'm trying to draw To keep it simple, I'll be drawing famous corporate logos, as I often do For example, if I were to draw, or describe drawing A large uppercase letter G and then an orange lightning bolt superimposed on top of it You would say Gatorade Gatorade, Gatorade. that's right And I should mention one one more thing Some of these logos are not the ones currently used by the companies But they are the best ones. Okay, here we go. I'm drawing a thick circular black ring with the company's initials in white letters. Inside that is a circle divided into four quarters with the quarters alternating white and light blue. It's an automobile company. Nicole. BMW. That's right. Now I'm drawing a sphere, which is not easy to do. (laughs) I am a great drawer. (laughs) The sphere is assembled from jigsaw puzzle pieces. Each piece has a letter on it from a different alphabet. There's an omega, a W, a Chinese character, an Arabic script letter. Nicole. Wikipedia. That's right. (laughs) Nice. This game kind of sounds like you're going into a company to pitch them. uh, You know, you're the designer, (laughs) but you forgot your PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) You're like, all right, everybody. I wish you guys could see this logo that I drew at home because it is so great. I'm drawing another circle. The entire circle is green. There's also a mermaid with very long hair. She has a crown on her head. And also, her tails are next to her ears. Nicole. Starbucks. That's right. (laughs) I did not know until the show that that was a mermaid in there. I am now drawing a football team logo, a circular ring, inside of which and to the left is the team name. On the right within the ring are three diamonds with concave sides, also known as hypocycloids in the drawing business. Uh, They're in primary colors. Symbolically, the diamonds are yellow for coal, red for ore, and blue for scrap metal. Nicole. The Steelers. Yes. (laughs) Which I hate. Because I'm from Ohio. I was going to ask. You, you were pushing that. You were pushing that button from the from the second I said circle. So I could tell either you hated them or loved them. All right. Now I am drawing this company's logo, which is its two syllable name. The first syllable is purple, and the second is typically orange or gray. 
Imagine that there is a hidden arrow pointing to the right formed by the negative space between the two letters of the second syllable. Ben. FedEx. Yes. Okay, now I am drawing this fashion brand logo by drawing two letter C's, except the first C is backwards, and it interlocks with the second like the links of a chain, a beautiful chain worn on the slender hips of a model. Nicole. Chanel. Yes, that's right. Yeah, well done. Congratulations, Nicole. You have won this visual round of drawing. Jonathan, you got that guitar and everything. Yeah. Would you like to play a little something for us? Yeah, sure. Uh, this, is, uh, this is my attempt at uh, children's literature. The Princess Who Saved Herself. Was a castle by a waterfall With a pink and purple wall And a princess living there She had no parents and was all alone She got by on her own And she liked it pretty well Cause she never wore her socks She had a pet snake She bought a red guitar And she ate a whole cake And there wasn't anybody there To tell her what to do So she did what she wanted to Everybody knew the story of the princess who saved herself. Princess who saved herself. It was a dragon with a pointy tail. He was bigger than a whale and his breath was terrible. He scared the princess when he came around. Tried to burn the castle down till she caught him by his tail. And she tied him to a tree. The dragon couldn't fly. She told him he was mean and it made the dragon cry. When she finally apologized, she offered him some tea. He accepted it graciously. Now he visits every weekend with the princess who saved herself. The princess who saved herself. Thank you. And finally, no favorites episode is complete without exploiting the talents of our VIPs. That's puzzle speak, of course, for very important puzzlers. So when comedian Michael Ian Black came on our show, we knew he was up for anything. So we asked him to do something we don't usually do. We asked him to lead a game. A game where we all had to channel our inner valley girl. We're going to first welcome our contestants that are going to play this game. Let's welcome Andrew Summerfeld and Erica Pietracola. <laughs> Erica, I enjoy your last name, and I'm told you have a very strange nickname, EMDB. That's a family nickname? Yes. What does EMDB stand um, for? My father doesn't use imdb.com. He calls me on the phone when he has a question. He's like, who was that person in that movie that did that thing? <laughs> <laughs> and I can always figure out who that person was who was in that movie, who did that thing. So does he have a computer? Yes. Oh, okay, he just refused. But he kind of fat fingers everything, so... Aww. I love my dad. That's adorable! He's so cute. There's always, like, a finger in the photo, you know? <laughs> Andrew, do you have a, a family nickname? I don't have a family nickname. I have a nickname at work. Okay, what's your nickname at work? They call me The Goog. The Be Goog? Because... I have my uh, smartphone, and I Google everything anytime there's a question, so I'm... You guys are both people with answers. Good. Let's hope lot, we have the answers here. a lot of pressure. Well, you are Google-free and IMDb-free on this next game. This next game has to do with a little something called Uptalk? Like, you know, when teenage girls' voices go up at the end of everything? 
No matter what they say, it always sounds like a question. So in this game, we imagine what famous advertising slogans might sound like if they had Valley Girls say them. Like suddenly a powerful command like just do it becomes just do it. <laughs> Or for example, if we said a computer company wonders whether you should have unique ideas, you would say think different. So you're going to go up on the end like that. And we are looking just for the slogans, not the companies. And Michael is going to help me here. I guess. <laughs> and do alternate questions. Okay, I guess. All right. A famous newspaper might have all the stories that are suitable to read. Andrew. Like all the news that's fit to print? <laughs> For sure. Totally right. The goog. The goog. <laughs> A breakfast chain wonders if the U.S. is fueled by them. Andrew, like America totally runs on Duncan. <laughs> like you're way too good at that. <laughs> A precious stone monopoly thinks maybe their product will last an eternity. Erica, A diamond is forever. <laughs> Correct. A long-distance telephone company asks you to extend a hand and contact a person. Erica, reach out and touch someone. <laughs> yes. But if I'm going to let someone reach out and touch me, like they have to buy me something, you know? Yeah, like totally. Totally. There's this guy in my chemistry class. And I totally wish he would reach out and touch me. It is always chemistry, isn't it? It's always chemistry. Paid for by farmers, these ads want you to try the alternative colorless protein. Erica, pork. It's what's for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> You're very close. It's not exactly the slogan. The alternative colorless protein. Andrew for the steal. Uh, pork. It's what's for dinner. That's what I said. <laughs> That's what I, I know. Said. It, I know it. I know it. Okay, I'm sorry. You already gave the wrong answer, but you can give it to me. Uh, it's pork. The other white meat. Ah, there you go. It's beef. It's what's for dinner. Beef. It's what's for dinner. That has color. That does have color. <laughs> <laughs> I know what a colorless protein just sounds terrible. Though. <laughs> All right, are you guys ready for your next question? A restaurant chain's poultry might be hand-lapping tasty. Andrew, uh, it's totally finger-licking good. <laughs> That is correct. <laughs> For a popular beer brand, some people say it has flavor. Some people say it leaves room. Andrew, it tastes great or less filling. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, maybe it's the first meal of the day for winners. That was the question. That was a question. Yeah, that was the question. It's like the breakfast of champions. Oh my god, it's totally the breakfast of champions. Totally. Yeah. That's Wheaties. Andrew, you are the winner of this round. Congratulations. You are the teenager of the year.
So there you go. Some of my top puzzle picks from our shows so far, and a special shout-out to our puzzle writers for being such mad geniuses. Still need more? No problem. Listen to all of our episodes by subscribing to our podcast, and you can always find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look around for NPR Ask Me Another. Me Another's house musician is Jonathan Colton. Hey, his name anagrams to launch at Jot Noon. Our puzzle gurus were Will Hines. Hells, I win. And John Chinesky. Oh heck, ninjas. Our puzzle editor is Art Chung. Narc Thug. With additional puzzle writing by Mary Tobler, Noah Tarno, Dan Schofield, John Chinesky, Josiah Madigan, Greg Pliska, and Greg Volk. Ask Me Another is produced by Josh Rogeson. So jig honors. John Asante. Hat. No jeans. And Eleanor Kagan. An orange lake. AMA is recorded by Paul Ruest, Noriko Okabe, and David Hurtgen. Our senior supervising producer is Jesse Baker. Jab seekers. Our general manager is Portia robertson Migas, And our executive producer is Eric Newsom. We'd like to thank The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. Our home in Brooklyn, New York. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, host of Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. It's been 20 years since the very first text message was sent. How adept are you at deciphering texting shorthand? NSFW. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah? Uh, Yeah, not safe for work. Not safe for work is right. Next time on Ask Me Another, test your texting prowess in our game, Initial This. Let the games begin. TTYL.